cables. Cables hidden under cables. Sorry? No, 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 no. no oh, that's for afterwards. No, that's for later. Thank you, though, team, for just being on it. Love it. So <laughs> I, I guess for us here, part of being Family Life Church is that we enjoy doing family together. Mm. And part of doing family together means that you spend time together. Yeah. Like together. I, I grew up in an Italian family that you go to an Italian wedding and some people couldn't be seated next to each other even though they were family because they couldn't get along. Now, that doesn't work in the family of God, right? Yeah. If you're family, you're family, even if you don't like the way the person looks, yeah? So I'm sorry for the people that are sitting on the right side of you, you know? Like, anyway, point is that we love together. And so our friendship groups are about doing life together. And in our friendship groups, really, that's where we become more intimate with yeah. each other. But not only that, it's where we start to break down some theology. Theology is really good because we need it as a foundation, but it only takes you so far. Even the songs that we sang today about giving, giving over more of ourselves to make more room for God. Now, the truth and the reality is that we already have all of God inside of us. Yeah. Yeah, we know that, yeah? The problem is we haven't yet given him access yeah. to all of us. That's really yeah? good. And so... Our friendship groups are where we start to chip away at some of those walls. Mm. I share all that to say that we um, found a really good curriculum, teaching, something to challenge us in our intimacy yeah. by John Bevere called Drawing Near. It's a book that he wrote, what, 2004? Yeah, quite a few years ago, but they just released the friendship group. Yeah, so he's just, just released some, yeah. some teaching around that. And so what we want to do is we're trying to whet your appetite. <laughs> so we know that a lot of people attend our different friendship groups, be it the night, the night groups or the, the fortnightly or the women's and all that sort of stuff. But I still think, yeah, <laughs> I still think that God's way is better. Yeah. And sometimes we need to make room and bring a sacrifice of praise into our life because we will only ever be as intimate with God as we choose. Mm. Though he wants to be intimate with us, we can choose to be very distant from him if we like. Yeah. So, we're going to watch something by John Bevere now, just for 20 minutes. I think it's 20 minutes, 23 minutes. We're going to give you a small group experience in church so you can actually go wow that's incredible i should join a group i actually want to hear more about that i love how they shared their heart i actually want to be able to share my heart and my faith with someone so it's about giving you an experience of what it's like during the week yep. so that we can all go wow i want to get on board i haven't been a part of the group but i'm definitely going to now because i actually want to hear what else it is that he has to say so the chairs that are on the side will later be brought up here mm -hmm. and after we watch this we've just got to a panel of people, four or five of us, and we're going to chat, we may even chat with you about what we just listened to, to stir up the things of God inside of us. Yeah, Because sometimes great. we have questions, sometimes we have doubts, sometimes we've heard a whole lot of rubbish and baloney and just really poor, poor theology out there. It's in this space together that we work it out, Yeah. As long as we know that Jesus came, he died and rose again, that's the core. Everything else in our faith really has nothing to do with our salvation, but it does have to do with increasing the space that we create and leave for God to move in our hearts. So when we have those moments and life's falling apart and life's throwing lemons at you, yeah, and someone else has driven into your car and your husband hasn't cooked for weeks, and your children are unruly, and your shoes now got a hole in them, and you don't have money to buy another pair, whatever the, the situation might be that's getting at you, when we're in an intimate relationship with God, we actually have a different demeanor. We bring a different atmosphere into everything that we encounter. Yeah. So this stuff is actually brilliant. And then we're going to have a chat, and we'll work it out from there. Is that all right? Great, so love it. So we throw the mic to you. I, I really don't know what we're going to do. Uh, we're making it up as we go along, and that's probably the best part about it in Jesus' name.
God. It is based off the book I wrote in 2004, and it's very much a word for us today. You know, the entire premises of this book, I believe, comes from a heart cry from God that is asking us this question, you and I, this question, why are we satisfied without his presence? In other words, why do we remain distant when we could be having intimacy with him? The whole message comes from the scripture in James chapter 4, verse 8, which says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, I want you to say that with me. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to answer this out loud. Who draws first, God or you? We do. There's something that we do, we initiate, that will literally cause the one who created the universe, who put the stars in their orbits with his fingers and called every one of them by name, who weighed every drop of water on this planet in the palm of his hands to come near me. Now, I don't know about you. But that really excites me. So in essence, what this apostle is saying, and really what God is saying through this apostle James, is you are the one that determines the level of your relationship with God, not God. Now, I'm going to say that again because it's so important. You, not God, are the one that determines how close you're going to be with God. You know, I, I think so many believers have this concept in, in, in all my travels and talking to people. The concept is this. They think there are certain Christians that were born with like stars over their cribs. <laughs> okay, people like Mother Teresa, Billy Graham. No, these people are close because they chose to be close. Let me say this. Some of the people that I've met in my lifetime that walk closest to the Lord are people you're never going to see behind pulpits. They're not called to preach. These people are close because they chose to be. Yeah. Now, when I think about drawing near, this is what comes to mind first. And I want you to really listen to what I'm saying. God is more passionate about being intimate with you than you are with him. Oh, yeah, that's true. He wants to be closer to you than you want to be close to him. Because if you look at verse 5, of James chapter 4. It says the spirit who dwells in and us yearns jealously. Now the Greek, the Greek word for yearn means this. It means to long for intensely and consistently. So now, now think about it. God intensely longs for what? Your fellowship. He also longs for consistently. Now Lisa and I have been married 40 years and we're really close. She's my best friend that walks the face of the earth. But, you know, if I was to wake her up at 2 o'clock in the morning in the middle of her sleep, she would not be yearning for me in that time. She would say, Chum, why did you wake me up? But you know I've gotten up at 2 o'clock in the morning and the Holy Spirit is ready to communicate. Yeah, That's on. how yeah. he longs for us consistently. Yeah. You know, when I think about God yearning, for us, I think about what David wrote in Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. He said, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber every grain of sand. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. David says that if you number every thought that God has about you personally, this is not the church collective, you personally, he said they would outnumber every grain of sand that's on this planet. Would you stop and think about this? Every beach, every desert, every golf course. That's a lot of sand. Now, scientists tell us that there are approximately one million granules of sand in a cubic square foot of beach. One million. Now, if I think about Lisa, she's the one I think about the most. You know, I... I, you don't think a lot about somebody you don't want to be close to. And Lisa's the one I want to be the closest to on this earth. If I was to think about Lisa once every 12 seconds for the last 40 years, I wouldn't get 10 square feet of beach. Now, here's what's amazing. Fishermen may exaggerate. Hunters may exaggerate. Athletes may exaggerate. But God cannot exaggerate. Because exaggerated is a lie, and God 
cannot lie. So if God says that his thoughts about you outnumber every grain of sand that's on this planet, and he can't exaggerate, do you understand how much he thinks about you? I mean, he knows how many hairs are on top of your head. Science tells us the average human being has 100,000 hairs on top of their head. If I walked into a room with 10,000 people, could I tell you at that moment how many people had 999,996 hairs on top of their head? And even if I could guess that number, I'd be wrong within a couple minutes because we lose 50 to 100 hairs a day. But yet God knows at every moment how many hairs are on top of your head. Do you understand how much he's thinking about you? He yearns for you. He longs for you. That's what this is all about. To awaken your hunger for him because he already is hungry to be close to you. Because listen to this. When you think about somebody that much, you want to communicate with them. I love communicating with Lisa. God wants to communicate with you. You know, Paul makes this statement. He said, you will remember that before you became Christian, you went around from one idol to another, not one of which could speak a single word. Now that's 1 Corinthians 12, 2 and 3, the Living Bible. So in other words, the only distinction that Paul makes between the idols and God is that God is a communicator and the idols aren't. Because God wants to communicate to you. You know, several years ago, I was driving my car and I remember, I'll never forget this, I'm on a highway, and the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart and says, son, pull off the road. And I learned something. When God comes and says, I want to talk to you, it may not be at a very, very convenient time. It may, it may actually sometimes interfere with what you're planning on doing. But yet, if you look at the scripture, this is a pattern that he has. Moses is on the backside of the desert watching his father-in-law's sheep. And the Bible says that God starts this bush on fire, but it's not consumed. And we read in Exodus chapter 3, verse 3, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see. So, listen to the response of the Lord. Once he responded, once Moses said, I'll turn aside. Now, that word turn aside, I want to make sure you understand it. It means to deliberately depart from his planned course of action. Now, his planned course of action is watching a bunch of sheep. For him to turn aside, the thought could come to him, okay, God's trying to get my attention. Let me get these guys corralled. Let me, let me uh, get it back in the pen for the evening, and then I'll go over and see what's going on. No, he immediately turned aside. In other words, he took the risk of those sheep scattering all over the wilderness because he knew Almighty God wanted his attention. And the Bible says this in verse, this is, this is like one verse later. So when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside, God called to him. If you look at Samuel, God comes one night and says, Samuel, Samuel, he's only a boy. He jumps out of bed and he runs to his head pastor. Eli says, Eli, did you call me? Because God's voice sounded so much like the senior pastor. And Eli said, no, I didn't call you. I was sound asleep. Why did you wake me up? Samuel goes back to bed. God comes again and says, Samuel. Samuel runs to Eli. Now this happens four times, three times before Eli figures out this is God talking to him. Now, if God is the way some people think he is, on the second time when he saw Samuel running to Pastor Eli, he would have said, Samuel, Samuel, no, this is the Lord your God. I want to talk to you. But God, God doesn't do that. Why? Because he wants us to learn how he speaks to us. That's part of the personal relationship. Because God speaks to every single one of his children. I have four sons. And I speak to each of my sons differently because of their different personalities. So God not only desires us, but he desires for us to desire him. He desires for us to learn how he communicates to us. If you look at Jesus, the Bible says, now, you know, he, he preached all day, told the disciples, he said, get in the boat and go to the other side of the sea. I'm going to go up here and pray for a while. In the middle of the night, Jesus comes walking on the water. And the Bible says this, he came to them walking on the sea. Now listen to these words. And he wouldn't pass them by. Do you understand? He would have passed 
that lie. I'm going to read from the New American Standard. This is Mark 6, 48. He intended to pass them by. But you know what? When they cried out for him, he didn't pass by. He turned and got in the boat. You see, God is a gentleman. He's not going to force his way in on you. He wants you to long for him the way he longs for you. Now let's get back to the car. The Holy Spirit said to me, pull off. And you know what happened? Within a fourth of a mile or half a mile, there was a restaurant stop off the highway. And I remember pulling my car into that rest stop, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, son, did I not say in my word to pray without ceasing? I said, yeah, you, you said that. And, and uh, let, let, let's think here. Where, where was it? It was 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. I, I knew that. I said, God, in the book of Thessalonians, you said pray without ceasing. And he asked me this. He said, is prayer a monologue? Or is it a dialogue? In other words, is it a one-way conversation? Or is it a two-way conversation? And I said, well, it's a dialogue. And he said, so if I said pray without ceasing and prayer is a dialogue, that means I'm willing to communicate to you without ceasing. Now that was a tremendous revelation that changed his life. Now, God didn't say to me, that he's going to speak with me without ceasing. He said, I'm going to communicate. There are different ways to communicate. Lisa and I have been married for 40 years. We can be in a room full of people. And Lisa can give me one look, one look. And I can write three pages on what she just said with that one look. Now, 40 years ago, in our first year of marriage, she would have given me that look, and I would have went, huh, are you trying to tell me something, Lisa? It would have been very awkward for everybody in the room. I didn't know the way she communicated as well 40 years ago as I do today. You see, this is what's so wonderful in our relationship with God. We grow in our fellowship with Him. We learn how He interacts with us. And He interacts with His children differently. He said to Mary and Aaron in Numbers chapter 12, If there's a prophet among you, I speak this way. But not so, but with my servant Moses. So, in other words, God, this is what makes, let me just say this, this is what makes our relationship with Him personal. See, He wants a personal relationship. He doesn't want us to think of ourselves as just one of a billion of His children. He wants us to know that He knows our name and communicates to us in a unique way. And part of the fun of walking with God is that we discover how He communicates with us. So the Bible reveals God's passionate desire and pursuit of mankind. You look at Adam, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, he doesn't come into the garden and pronounce judgment. Do you know what God comes into the garden and says, Adam, where are you? Do you see me? God realizes the fellowship was broken. You know, Adam had this great, 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 great grandson named Enoch. Yeah, Enoch was seven generations from Adam. And the Bible makes the statement that Enoch walked with God. Now, I, I got a vision of this because listen to what Genesis 5.22 says. Enoch walked with God for 300 years. Now listen. And he had sons and daughters, so all the days of Enoch were 365 years. So he walked with God 300 years, but all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God took him. Now, here's my theory. Enoch, when he's 65 years old, finally musters up the courage to go to his great, 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 great grandfather, Adam, and say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, how can you talk to your great, 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 great grandfather? It's very simple, but he lived to be 930 years, which is how old Adam was when he passed away. You're going to see your great, 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 great grandchildren. What a lot of people don't realize is that Adam was only 622 years old when Enoch was born. And so when Adam is 687 years old, Enoch is 65 years old, he musters up the courage. All the relatives have said, hey, don't do this. Do not do this. I mean, do you know what history tells us? That when Adam and Eve sinned against God, that they walked in massive depression, he and Eve. History 
actually, Jewish writings actually record them sitting in caves, dark caves, for days and just staring out of depression because they walked with the Creator. They walked with Him in His glory and they had it all lost. They lost it all because of their choice to choose to disobey God. And so Enoch, you know, all the relatives, I can only imagine saying, hey, don't bring up the garden issue. Don't bring it up. I mean, it, it, it really upsets him. But Enoch's hunger outweighed the warnings that his relatives gave. And so finally, at 65, he's only a kid, he goes to his great, 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 great grandfather, Adam. He says, Adam, what was it like? What was it like to walk with the Creator in his glory in the garden? And Adam begins to weep. Adam doesn't want to talk about it because it's too painful. But he realizes he's looking at his great, 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 great grandson's hunger. And so he says, Enoch, it was amazing. I, I mean, I've walked with the one who created everything you see. I mean, his wisdom formed this earth. He's the one that kept the seas in their borders and caused them not to go beyond the shores. He's the one that put the stars in the universe with his fingers. He called everyone by name. Do you know what we did, Enoch? We named every species of animal together. He laughed. When I called the hippopotamus and hippopotamus, he laughed. He was loving what I chose to name these animals. And he's going on and on and on. And Enoch's getting hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. And so what happens? Enoch says, I'm going to walk with this one. He obviously desires to walk with me. And so Enoch breaks out of the mold of the relatives. And he to walk with God. And you know what happens? God says one day, I like this guy so much, you're out of here. And he didn't never die. God just took him. And he was only a kid. He was only 365 years old. And the rest of his relatives lived until their 800s and 900s. So anyway, Noah. Noah was one of the descendants of Enoch. The Bible says Noah walked with God. Do you know what? Because Noah walked with God, God Noah knew the secret of the flood before anybody else on the earth knew about it. Because he's intimate with God. If you look at Abraham, God said, No, walk before me. Like, like Enoch did, like Noah did, you walk before me, Abraham. If you look at the children of Israel, a lot of people think that this wasn't God's desire for them. That is so untrue. When Moses brought them out of Egypt, he brought them to Mount Sinai. And before Moses presented them to God, Moses had a private <laughs> meeting with God. And this is what God said to Moses He said, You go down there. You go down and you tell the nation of Israel, this is Exodus 19.3, this is a powerful scripture. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings. Now listen to this, and brought you to myself. Do you see the heart desire of God? He brought them to himself. Moses said to the children of Israel, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. That's Exodus 34, 14, 14. The New Living Translation. You know, in Malachi, the prophet cries out to Israel, I have loved you. This is God speaking through the prophet. I have loved you. Yet ignorance, in ignorance of the hardest of heart, they said, how have you loved us? In what way have you loved us? They didn't recognize his love for them. They perceived it as judgment. They perceived it as harshness and cruelty. They didn't know his heart. If you look at Jesus, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. Uh-oh, listen to this. Not just save what was lost. He came to seek it out. This is God's heart. He's been pursuing you. He's been pursuing me. Even before we were born, he knew us. And he longed for us. This is amazing. You know? Hey, let's just, let's just talk about everyday life here. Let's kind of make it relevant to the way God views us. Because one thing that's really important to understand is just how much he values you. You know, a wise, as a wise shopper, we will always purchase items which are worth as much or more than what we pay for them. Now, everything in life has a value assigned to it. Okay? In other words, a house is for sale. It has a purchase price of value assigned to it. I looked at, I, I was just on, on the web yesterday, and I noticed that Michael Jordan, the NBA basketball player who played in the early 
always based on the purchaser, because the purchaser is the one that says how valuable it is to me. So the question is not, what is your value to another human being? Because that varies. What is your value to Almighty God? That is the question. Well, Jesus makes this statement, because let me, let me read this. In Luke's Gospel, the 16th chapter, the 15th verse, it says, What is highly valued among men is detestable in the sight of God. So the question now becomes, what is your value to God? That's the most important question. Jesus makes this statement. He said in Matthew 16, 26, What is the profit of a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Now stop and think about this. Jesus said you give your soul, your life, in exchange for all the wealth in the entire planet, you have made an unprofitable deal. So in other words, if you think about all the jewelry, all the land, the the valuable land, the mansions, the the electronics, I mean, the the total gross world product just last year was over $85 trillion. Jesus said if you give your life in exchange for $85 trillion, you have made an unprofitable deal. That tells me right now, now, you're worth more to God than $85 trillion. So the question becomes, what is your value? What is it? Well, for God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son. Do you understand the value that God assigned to you was the value of Jesus Christ? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is something I really want you to stop and think about for a second. Because here's the deal. God's not an unwise business person. If your value to God would have been one cent less than the value of Jesus to God. And he wouldn't have sent it. Because you never give something of greater value or something of less value. Jesus confirms this by saying this. He said, then the world will know that you sent me and will understand that you, Heavenly Father, love them as much as you love me. Let me say it this way. Then the world will understand that you value them as much as you value me. That's mind blowing. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, God bought you at a high price. I'll say there's not a more valuable asset that God could have given for you in the entire universe. He could have given galaxies for you, but that would have been as valuable as he gave what was most valuable to him in the whole universe for you because you're just as valuable to him as Jesus. Yeah. I want you to really stop and ponder that. This is why we have to ask ourselves the question why aren't we drawing near to God? Why? When he longs and yearns for us that deeply, why aren't we drawing near? Why aren't we spending time with the king of the whole universe, the one who created everything you see and everything you don't see? When Enoch was so hungry and he went, contrary to his dad's advice, his grandfather's advice, he went to his great, 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 great grandfather, Adam, that I want to know what it was like to walk with the creator of the universe. In it, really pursued God. And God loved it so much he took it. Every single one of us, you and I, because of what Jesus did, we have an invitation. Draw near to God. And when you do, God will some projected issues um, that used to flow really smoothly. Our internet's fine. Sorry about the colour. It's an eyesore. Whoever the panel members are, if you could come up, grab a chair. I'm just grabbing one with wheels because it's easy. Dun, 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 dun. 
What did people think? It's pretty good, right? I reckon. All right. Sam, you got one? Cool. Hey, who knows that it's okay to make noise in church? Actually, I was teasing our church last week when I was at Rise because I said, um, we're a church of Christ. You know, we're supposed to be the conservative siblings, you know. I know, right? What? And there I was in an apostolic church, which is like a... Really, it's like an AOG church. They, they should be, you know, amening and jumping up and down. And I had to coerce them and said, you know, you should be louder than my home church. So I'm saying all that just to say, please don't be quiet. If, you know, if we're asking a question, answer it. Because this is where we grow together. Yeah, this is where we learn together. It's not just about who has the mic and who's doing the teaching. It's not just yes and amen, fader complete. Sometimes we've got to wrestle this stuff out and land somewhere that God wants us, yeah? yeah Is that all right? So, I guess, first question, what did people think? Uh, maybe what stood out to people. What stood out? Go for it. Oh, okay, I'll start. Yeah, you should. Uh, Pretty uh, in pink. Uh, I made a few notes, but that last question really hit me about, you know, why aren't we drawing near to God? you know, when he yearns and longs for us, you know, because it's so easy for, I guess, the things of life to get in the way of actually drawing near to God. You know, sometimes life just happens and distractions happens and discouragement comes and, you know, there's commit. There's so many things that can happen in life that can actually draw us away from God. And I just love that he said, you know, why aren't we drawing near to God when he yearns and longs for us? So I thought, am I thinking about that? Is that at the forefront of my mind all the time? Like God yearns for me. He actually longs for me to be with him, to spend time in his presence. So, uh, I, you know, I think that's such a challenge. Like how do we live a lifestyle of drawing near to God amidst living life? <laughs> well, that, that's probably a really good thought Yeah, that we should come back to. What about you, Jam? Um, I, I guess, yeah, the last thing is easy to think about because it, it was the last thing. Yeah. Um, and I recently bought noise-cancelling earbuds, which is very similar to um, earmuffs. Um, yesterday there was so many people mowing in our community. So <laughs> I put them on and I could hear the mowing, but it wasn't so intense. Oh. And I think for me that in my brain I need to tune out not everything, but sort of put on mental noise cancelling things. Yeah. Um, so I've got the ability, I've got the space to yeah. connect with God more. Oh, I love that. That's really good. Yeah, love it. What about you, Rob? What stood out to you or what spoke to you? One of the early comments first hit me was it's, it's a choice that God's yes. always there. Yeah. It's our choice whether we pursue a relationship he wants intimacy he wants he wants full relationship with us but we you said about distractions we can become distracted by so much around us yeah that we and then then we say well why isn't god there well he is there it's we're the ones that move away or we we get into other things that so it's 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 our choice it's our choice to be part of that to be part of what he has to offer it's our choice to be involved in other stuff yeah, it's great. I'm going to play yeah, devil's advocate though because there are, there's theology out there that we're in the days of grace and in the days of grace there's nothing that we do for our salvation so there's, there is no need for us to actually act. It should just naturally be there once you're saved. But talking about your choices, like say Andrew, if you ask me next Sunday can we have lunch and I never give you an answer... I'm, I'm not actively saying no to you, yep. but by choosing 
all these other things to do and not getting back to you. Um, I, I don't know what the right word is. No, no, I, but I, I'm I know indirectly you know. answering you. And I think mm. sometimes we indirectly don't choose God. Because so, I, I heard a, someone say just recently, splashed all over social media, that this is a lie. If you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. That's the lie. It's in James. We know James, for me, James is, is written to Christians. They're dispersed everywhere, but it's written to believers. Yeah? Yet, theology, theology that's out there, right? And this is why I think we need to wrestle it, right? Is if you draw near to God and he'll draw near to you, that's the lie. And the truth is, so now let's pluck a different scripture out of Ephesians. It says, you've been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus. That's true. That's truth. Yeah? They go on to say that James 4.8 is an appeal for sinners to be saved, not saints, to be sanctified. I don't agree with that. I actually think Ephesians is saying, yes, of course, we've been brought close to Jesus by his blood. Absolutely. But now we have this choice. And I'm going to ask Sam in a minute, but the problem with this choice is we, it seems to be the choice that we forego, that we neglect more than any other choice. Because the Bible tells us that we need to bring a sacrifice of praise. Yet when life sucks, everyone knows that life sucks. No one here is offended by the, that word. No, I hope not. If not, forgive me. And um, when I say it again later, apply it again. Um, life can be really hard at times. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And often the thing that we sacrifice is our time with God. The thing that we sacrifice is our fellowship with each other. And sometimes the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. So my fellowship with you as a believer should build me in my faith. Yet I'm going to sacrifice that because life sucks. Because of the choice that we have. And I think like at the start when they were talking about intimacy with God and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to speak about this. Um, but um, sometimes the hurdle is our own shame. Yeah. That yesterday really or last good, yeah. week I wasn't close to God. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to sit in that shame. Yeah. But, you, you know. So how do we get beyond the shame? Because I think that's really real. I think it's like, oh, okay, I got it wrong. I messed up. Um, I haven't been spending time with God. Or I haven't been living the way that, you know, God wants me to live. And then we do. We get stuck in that shame. It's easy to isolate ourselves. Um, yeah, and to not draw near to God. So how do, you know, when we're feeling, like if you felt like that, how do you bring yourself out of that place, Jim? I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit does by telling me that that's a, to, to, to move on. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. What does Sam I'll think? go back to your comment <laughs> before, before we move too far. No, 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 no. Yeah, Rob. There's a couple of spaces where, and I, I haven't got the, the verses, but Jesus says that I, I will say I never knew you. Yeah. You, turn, you front up at the, the, the day and I'll say I never knew you. You did, did all of the things that you thought you should do. And why is that? Yeah, I, I, is that because there was no intimacy? Because there was no intimacy. That, That's that what relationship, I reckon. That yeah. personal relationship between me and God. Yeah. If what, what do people think? Like, if we were in a friendship group, we'd be going around a circle just bouncing around this stuff, yeah? So in relation to that, when, when the Bible does say, you know, and Jesus says, you know, I did this, you know, the person says, I did this, I did that, I did this in your name, and he goes, actually, I, I didn't even know you. What do you think? Why? Claude? Yeah. 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 that's good. Yeah, Did people really on that good. side hear that? Yeah, yes. It's great. No one. Oh, yep, no one at home heard. I forgot about. Mic. Hey, for those that are at home, we're really sorry. We're having a great time. <laughs> if you come and join us next week, 10 a.m., uh, you won't miss any of the communication. Anyway, um, actually, I'll just get you to repeat it. And then I'll get you to pass the mic on with everyone I'll share one with Sam. Okay. Ooh. Yuck. I hate talking into a mic, but anyway. Um, so I think it's the difference between religion and relationship. So 
if, um, for example, Abraham Lincoln, if I knew all about him, I read all about him, read all the facts, um, saw photos of him, knew his face um, from seeing the photos, but I'd never actually been in his presence um, or been face to face with him. Um, and that's how we can be with Jesus. And I was like that personally myself for a long time. You know, I knew God, I knew Jesus, knew the Holy Spirit, but never um, really allowed myself to step further into that presence and that relationship. So it's knowing Jesus, not just knowing about him. So, Claude, yeah. you know, like, when did that change happen? How, you know, when did you go from this is a religious experience to real intimacy like what yeah. propelled you into that place or how did you step into that place yes yeah, so part of it oh leave your lunch please Tommy. um <laughs> part of it um was when i was baptized so i gave my life to jesus many years ago um but for some reason was disjointed with then being baptized about 10 years later um and the other part of it was when i've heard the full gospel so, you know, I'd known God my whole life, um, but I didn't know the full gospel. I didn't know the finished work of the cross. I didn't know that that made me an adopted child. Um, I still lived basically like with an orphan mentality um, and with a, a distance between me and God. Um, so, yeah, about maybe six years ago when I actually heard the full gospel, and the revelation, the Holy Spirit just dropped into my heart that I was a child, um, fully adopted, you know, fully accepted, um, made blameless and also being refined continually. So made blameless in my spirit and then my body and soul is being refined um, daily. That's great, love it. So you heard the truth and the Holy Spirit quickened it inside yeah. of you and it brought a revelation. That's right. Love it. Andrew. What do you think, Sam? <laughs> What's the question? <laughs> what stood out to you, Samuel? Yeah, answer that Did one. something stand out to you or speak to you? Thanks. Probably everything that everyone said before me, but the biggest thing would have been how valuable I am to God, how it was 85, how much is the world worth? Yeah, that was amazing, trillion. 85 trillion. And he just brushes it to the side because he doesn't care about that. He cares about my heart and my relationship with him yeah. and me being in his kingdom. It's great. Love it. Um, what, was really, what was really cool in, in, in a, what he was saying, everything was cool, what he was saying, um, but a couple of things that I wrote down that I reckon we should throw around the table quickly. Um, in relation to the cost that you, that you talked about, could it be that some of the time that we don't actually move into a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus. One, because we actually don't realise, fully comprehend the price that he paid for us. Yeah. Question? Yeah. yeah. Um, and could it be that not only do we not fully comprehend what the price that he paid for us, because if, if someone had paid that amount of money for me for something, I would almost feel indebted, yeah? So it's not about being indebted, but once you realise the cost, and it could it be that we actually don't see ourselves the way that God does. Yeah. And because of that, I don't want to be too intimate with God because then he's going to know all of my secrets. Because an intimacy with God is a, is a flat out, it's a different thing. It's not just religion. It's, you're, you're, sharing, you're sharing your dirty washing with him, you know? You're sharing your dirty washing with each other as we journey together to be formed more and more into the image of Jesus, I guess. I like that thought because in the past um, I've asked God to show me his, how he sees people that I'm struggling with or, you know, thinking about Christmas presents, you know, God, what can I get, Andrew? Because you know. Um, so I've seeked God to help me understand others, but I don't know if I've seeked God to understand myself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to, and I'm just trying to find it. If you've got a thought, Rob, jump in there. This is a yeah, friendship I, group. I, I just think it's that, that, that thing we learn about being humble, this humility thing that we're putting ourselves back and down all the time, that we 
struggle to see how God puts us. He puts us on a pedestal and, and we can't do that for ourselves. If, if It's that balance. I say that, that thing about you've got to be humble. You've got to put yourself back. But he, God brings you forward. Like being a humble leader, being mm. what, what, yeah, what is true godly humility. I think it's, it's maybe it's about us how we understand that thing about humility, and I don't fully, and I think we all struggle with understanding what humility is. Yeah. Who struggles with prayer sometimes? I'm being honest. I'm not just putting my hand up. I know some people are just great prayers. Yeah. Yeah. It's good, Andrew. Um, who, who struggles with worship sometimes? Mm. Just to put a music on and worship. Yep. Yeah. Who legitimately struggles over the course of a week or the course of two weeks or the course of the month to actually etch out proper for themselves? doesn't have to be the same time, but time with God, time with Father. Yeah. 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 If, if we're going to be honest, yeah. right, I, I think all of us, pastors, elders, board members, family members, people that have been Christians longer than any of us, we all have. Um, why? 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 Why is it hard to make time to spend with God? Why? Or do just, you think it's why? hard, like for you personally, how do you spend time with God and is it hard for you to make time to spend with God? Or what can stop you from spending time with God? Because everything else that is in the world around me, work, school, all those things are legitimate and they're there and I can do them and I have to do them by a certain date. Sometimes I can edge God out because it's like I can come back to you later, you're going to be there once my homework's done, you're going to be there. Once yeah. my shift's done, you're going to be there. Yeah. But then there's a point where that goes on too much and it's like, well, now I have time for you, now I'm going to make time for you. Mm. So there's making time for the worldly things and also making time for the spiritual things. And sometimes I make time for the more worldly things that I can see that are substantial instead yeah. of making time for Jesus. Can yeah, I just want to throw really in there? good. Because this, this is not about guilt, but worldly no. things that can be good things. Mm. Making time for your family can be good things. Yeah, they're all you know, good things. Homework or work, that, some of that stuff is good. But why is that that we are so prone as human beings, fallible, weak, sometimes frail, why do we always choose to sacrifice yeah. the stuff that leads to God rather than the other oh, stuff? But I think time with God is, I think there's two clear things. Like, so I'm going to the dentist tomorrow and I am intentionally taking God with me. Um, so I think there's a, there's a learning of doing homework with God, of cooking with God. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's good, Jan. But then there is, there is also value in just sitting with God and just having that communication with God. Mm. I think um, both are valuable. Um, and like he said in the video about his communicating with his wife, um, it's something that we can fine tune yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What was the passage he picked out that pray without ceasing? Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry? Thank you. Yeah. But it, it, and it's, it's not you're on your knees all day. It's this continuous conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's a dialogue. It's yeah, not a monologue. Really good. It's I not us that. praying and, and giving words. It's, it's a conversation that you're having whilst you're driving the car, whilst you're doing your homework, whilst you're preparing a meal or, or whatever it is, you're having that conversation, mm. you're having that, that thought. I, I find myself at different times that it's just things open up to me and I, I can be in the middle of a job and something's not working right and then all of a sudden I've had a, a manual open up on a page that you haven't done that, Dopey. Yeah. Oh, oh. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's right. Realising God's a part of everything, that he doesn't have to be excluded from certain things. He actually comes on the journey of all of it with us. I'm, I'm getting to you, Claudia, sorry. When I first got saved, I, I, I don't know if anyone else got taught this. You know, you have God first. Yeah. And then after God, your family, you know, or your wife, then your children, then work, blah, blah. Any, anyone else get taught that when they first got, yeah. came to the Lord? Yeah. I, I, I discovered when I, I was working at a place with a, um, just a, a, an apostle missionary uh, from Empire, Josie Chaka. Um, we were talking in his office one day and he just got a piece of paper 
and he drew a circle like this, this whatever it is, coffee table, whatever, and he go and he started writing stuff in it, and he wrote family, you know, he wrote church, wrote football, just wrote everything in there, and he goes, all of our life is filled with God. Yeah. He goes, and everything is within God. Yeah. He goes, but we choose how much time we give to each of those things. God is a part of them all, but we choose how much time we give to those things. And that, for me, actually set me free from thinking I need to sacrifice family and stuff like that. But there certainly is an element of sacrifice because I love the example of Moses where he goes, you know, Moses saw the turning bush. At the turning bush, yeah. The bush was turning. <laughs> and then Moses burned at it. Um, so he saw the burning bush. And when he turned towards it, that's when God spoke, you know. Yeah. Was that I'm turning away from my responsibility of the sheep and I'm giving my attention at this moment to God. Yeah. And then God spoke. There's something so significant in that. Yeah? Mm. Sorry, Claude, you wanted to share something before. Yeah, um, no, I totally agree with what each of you have said. It's about um, welcoming the Lord into every area and it not being that we um, compartmentalise yeah. our faith. And um, a few years ago, the Holy Spirit said to me, um, he woke me and said, um, I'll teach you everything pertaining to life and godliness. And at that stage, I hadn't sort of comprehended that's a scripture. Mm. And um, I just woke up sort of saying that scripture. And um, I've been walking out that for the past couple of years where the Holy Spirit more and more, you know, ever increasing is in, involved in all areas of my being and life. Um, and there are times, you know, where it's at a greater measure than others. But even, um, you know, just the revelation that he doesn't want to just teach us things pertaining to godliness, you know, our faith, our walk with Jesus, but life. And so, as Rob said, you know, it's divine strategies for yeah. just little problems we're facing. Yeah, or, um, you know, for me personally, um, with baking, stick to the recipe, trust the recipe. You know, it's that little voice. And you'll find that as you let the Lord into every area, yeah. um, that he's really got such a joy and sense of humor, yeah. um, but also such a wisdom and a um, strong guiding hand. That's great. Really good, Claude. How are we going for time? Are we pretty oh, much... wind up in about three minutes. I'll I just wanted minutes. to share one thing that really stood out to me um, was that God wants us to learn how he speaks to us. You know, because for all of us, that looks different. I remember years ago, someone said to me that I was prophetic and I'm like, I'm not prophetic. I don't get, like, pictures. I don't see pictures. I don't get visions. Like, I don't hear from God like that. And then as I just continued to journey with God, then I was like, oh, okay, God, you know, I actually get an impression. God just brings a word in my spirit. And as I continue to pray for someone, God kind of unveils that. And I was like, oh, wow, I am, I actually am prophetic, but I was thinking that I wasn't because I was trying to box it into a certain, box it in a certain way, I guess, you know. And it's the same with how God speaks to us. Like for all of us, we hear differently, we experience God differently. But Don't the truth we? is, you know, it is a journey of actually discovering how he speaks. And sometimes it's actually as we just sit together in groups like this and hear other people's stories and journeys that it helps us to discover how we do hear from God. It helps us grow in our relationship with God. It opens up new doors because we go, oh, wow, I can't believe God did that for them. Well, you know, if he loves us all the same, then he can do that for me too. Absolutely. So just the joy of community and family is so important because we're actually supposed to do it together. We're not supposed to do it one-on-one -on -one or in isolation. So a lot of our growth and our journey with God also happens as we journey with one another. We need to keep our eyes, our, our senses open, not just our eyes, but all of our senses open to what's around us and what, what God puts in front of us. And it's and be prepared for the unexpected, yeah. like the burning bush that's not burning. Yeah. And, and if, if you're closed off, if your mind's closed off to seeing that stuff, you don't see it. But if, if, you're, if you're open, if your senses are all switched on to anything that's just a little bit out of the ordinary... It could be God talking to you. It could be showing you something. It could be presenting a, an image to you. That's yeah, that's good. Really good, Rob. Share it, Samuel. 
You're on camera. Come on. Come on. Okay, so going back to the thought before about the shame and being humble but also not shameful, if, if that's what you guys are talking about. Oh, that's what I heard out of this year. Um, so not only being a humble person, because I think sometimes we can be so humble that we degrade ourselves, yeah. we're not worthy, yeah. but being like humble and living with humility, but also remembering this is from the, our friendship group, the young adults one, this is what we just went through, but also knowing this is how God sees us, that we're confident, we're secure, we're righteous, we're creative, we're loved, we're holy and we're cold. Yeah. So also Amen. remembering those things, living with humility, but that as well, that's what God thinks of us. Uh, I've got a question for everyone, like absolutely everyone. Last anyone question. got heroes of the faith? Like heroes of the faith? Yeah. If you've got to just can yell them out a name. Bill Johnson. John J. Lake. Sorry? Stephen Ferdy. Yeah. Anyone? You've got no heroes of the faith, really? Are you Christians? Come on. There must Mother be somebody, somebody that you read, someone that you like, someone that you've heard about. Yeah, not me. <laughs> See, if you think about the heroes of the faith, these men and women of God that have done phenomenal things all over the globe, that have raised the dead, yeah? yeah. The only thing that separates them and us is their intimacy with God. Yeah. 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 The only difference is not favour. I'm, listen... I'm God's favourite. I'm quite comfortable saying that. You too can actually utter the same words. You are God's favourite because he's wonderfully, creatively made each and every one of us as individuals. The way God speaks to me, he does not speak to you. He speaks to me like a Godfather gangster. Yeah, oh, seriously, he does. he does. Like I've shared it in our church before when the time that I, for an offering... And I, and, I, and I fished my $5 note out of my pocket instead of the $50 note. It's online already somewhere in the past. And the voice in my head goes, you tight ass. Yeah? I apologise in advance. I'm not saying, it's not a wet, that's how God speaks to me. Now you might think, God doesn't, I'm telling you, that is exactly how my father speaks to me and it gets my attention. So when Mel says we've got to learn how he speaks to us, We've got to learn, because if God spoke to me the way he speaks to Mel, I'd probably throw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> yeah? Because he's going to speak to me different. I don't need, need those sweet nothings, you know? So, I, no, I, oh, look, it's going downhill fast. I'll give him I, a counselling session later. Just stop. Just stop. The point was about all those people, we're no different to them, yeah? It's just their intimacy, intimacy with God. Intimacy, intimacy with God. So the next nine weeks is a whole journey of intimacy, things that hinder intimacy, things that open doors mm. to intimacy. It's a whole journey of us coming to a deeper place in God, in Where our relationship. Where we hear him the way he speaks to us. But also... What we have to, all of us, we've got to work through the reasons why that can be a struggle and why it's yeah. a struggle at times. Yeah. Because we cannot keep a secret from God the way we do with our spouses and our friends. Mm -hmm. If God thinks about us more than the sand, right? You think about how often he's thinking about us. Yeah. How often he's looking at us. Mm. The moment that you woke up, had a shower, looked in the mirror and go, oh my gosh, I'm beautiful. Or, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> disgusting. Right? At those moments, God was actually there thinking about us then. Yeah. 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 They're the moments we have to work through so we can grow in deep, intimate relationship. Yeah. And that journey doesn't just happen this way vertically. It happens with each other. We don't share our darkest, dirty secrets with everybody, but we need to have people that we're, I guess, open, honest, vulnerable yeah. with, yeah. that we can be our natural selves with because that builds our intimacy. Yeah, Samuel, Mike, over there. Oh. Quick, run, 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 man, run. You're saying that we have an intimacy with Christ. Yes. Right. Why is it that so many people say you must read the Bible in the morning and then you read it at night at set times? I can't do that. Neither can I. No, 
It, it's just hopeless. It's and discipline. I, They're trying to teach us. I, think. I do not read what they say to read morning or night. Yeah. I just open my Bible. Yeah. And where it is, is what I study. I, you've got to, you know, you read this. I start at the beginning of that chapter and write down, mm. back and forth, until mm. I'm comfortable with what I'm reading. Amen. Um, all my life, I've been told, respect your parents, do what they say. Yes, I do. Um, and well, it does give us a long life. Bible it does says. help. <laughs> um, and then sometimes I just forgot about doing that and I sort of plummeted. Um, and then I started praying again. Um, I don't read my Bible every day. Um, I read it when my heart says, come on, wake up. Yeah, come on. I pray to God all day at different times. Yeah, amen. Yeah, that's good. That's right. Yeah, good. There's, there's, no, there's no formula here. But why, go on. but why when I go to church, I'm told you've got to do this. It's in ground, into me. Yeah. I used to teach Sunday school and all the rest of it, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, but now, at my old, when I'm older, I'm making my decisions, but I'm told I'm doing the wrong lasted thing, and I'm not coping with that. Well, I, I don't know what the wrong blasted thing is. Um, <laughs> needless to say, though, our relationship with God from one person to the next will be different. I think it's like we, our kids go to school mm. and we teach them English and maths. As they get older, they'll say, and they've learnt, I'm never going to use this, you know, why are they teaching me? The discipline of it was there for a reason. So I, I'm assuming, I'm only assuming that as we teach our kids, hey, it's good to read the Bible. If you've got time in the morning, do that or before bed. It's to get them into a habit mm. to at least consider the things of God. But as we grow in relationship, the things that work for Rob and Anna in their relationship won't be the things that work for Mel and I. And the things that work for Mel and I won't be yeah. what works for Sal and, and Scott. We find our own way, but in that we can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that as we build on that relationship. So when it comes to intimacy with God, what works for me might not work for you, but what somebody else does might, be, might give you a hand up. And what you do might work perfectly for someone else. Mm. And together we grow in the Lord mm. and he shapes us into his image with ever-increasing glory. But what great. That's... We need to close, Andrew. Okay. Um, Go on. I, I heard what you said. Um, but things have happened to me in my life and people say I understand. As you're saying, it's my life. Mm. And they can have empathy yeah. But they cannot understand mm. the nitty gritty of my soul. Yes. Mm. So, yeah. One yeah. thing that, that stands out in all of what was said before is the relationship is personal. Personal means it's between me and God. It means it's between you and God. And it's, mm. it's your relationship. Yeah. It's not someone else's. Yeah. And, and how, how, you, how you process it, how you, how you work it, is how you do it not how somebody else does it. Mm. Um, and sometimes we, I think as humans, we just choose poor language. Mm. Um, recently, if Grace, you're listening at home, Grace, um, her son passed away. No parent wants their son to pass away. I never once said to her, I understand what you're going through, because I don't. I, I don't. I hope I never do. But I can be there and show empathy. So sometimes... People reach out and step towards us to build intimacy, but our language sometimes mm. probably fails us when if we just chose a different word but with the same heart, then it would have been received differently, you know? I, I don't think people mean to hurt anyone. And generally when they say, I understand, it's, they're, trying, they're really just trying to show love. But it's true, they don't. Um, and they'll only understand, really, intimacy They'll only understand as much as you're willing to share, not just the circumstance, but the pain, the travail, the journey of that, yeah. so they can um, grab hold of it. Yeah. Anyway, we are certainly ter terribly out of time, um, so we need to close in prayer. But, right. hey, that's what our friendship groups look like.
This is often how I end up at the end of a friendship group with people, ask the guys in my group. But um, we come away at the end of that time growing in friendship and love mm. yeah. and in intimacy with Jesus, eh? And there's a whole heap of groups. So if you're not a part of one and you want to be a part of one, just come and see any of us. We can direct you towards one or we can open a new one. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that we receive things, but we also give things. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. That's great, Jim. It's what we bring, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and the part of journeying with God is the opportunity to journey with God and the opportunities that God... In, like gives me words to share with others yeah. mm. you know I, I don't get that if i don't go to friendship group yeah somebody really else's good, healing yeah. is just your story away yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. um maybe rob you want to close and correct yeah okay thank you for this day father thank you for the the beauty of this day the yeah, sunshine that is out there that uh, mm. that we can come together as family um we just pray that you'll you'll be with us as we get into these uh, this week, this group, whichever group we're part of. We just pray that you'll go with us. You'll go with everyone who is here, everyone that's at home. You'll be with them too. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Enjoy the sunshine. Have Stay. a great Sunday. Coffee, tea. Coffee, tea. Spotify.